Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that there is more to confidence in the bedroom or the kitchen or the sex club or a stairwell or the woods or wherever you are. There's so much more to sex wherever you do it than just jackhammering away. But if all you're missing in your relationship is some mutually beneficial stiffness, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office with the doctors that never got trained in sex ed and how to talk to people about it, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They say that there is nothing sexier than confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Of course, I know you sweet listeners know that using confidence to connect, if you can be confident enough to be really vulnerable with someone, to communicate, to create a safe space that you occupy together, that is super hot. That's the foundation of a connection. And if you have a boner, that can definitely help you do certain things that you know that I love, just as long as you don't skip all the other stuff too. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. And as they say, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER. At checkout, you just pay $5 shipping. That is bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code SAVE to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code SAVE for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share very super duper intimate details in an effort to help everyone lead better laid lives. And my guest today, I'm very excited to introduce to you, is M. Welcome. Hi, nice to see you. <laughs> super nice <laughs> to see you. And I am actually recording this from inside my fort that I built 
during my quarantine. I noticed your little ladder there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in a really fantastic fort. So uh, we are Skyping. And M, can you just give us a little overview about who you are? Well, I am currently a mom of four and 48 and uh, have had a lot of incarnations in my life of who I am in terms of works and jobs and lifestyles and I'm pretty stable, you know, mom, stay-at-home mom now. And can you tell us what part of the country you originated from and what area you're in now? I came from Illinois. I'm a Midwesterner. And then uh, after about 10 years on the East Coast, I moved to the West Coast. So I'm in Cali. Nice. And what gender identity and pronouns do you use? I am consider myself female and she and her. Nice. And do you have any kinks we should know about? Pretty square. No, I (laughs) really don't. Great. So can you take us back to your early sexual memories? That sounds weird. So can you take (laughs) us back to your earliest memories of when did you first hear about sex? I actually had really good sex ed in seventh grade. And I also had pretty open parents in terms of they would talk about stuff at the dinner table, not sex per se, but if like women were getting attacked on campus for whatever, like they, they, I always knew sort of the risks or whatever. But then in seventh grade, we had this great bio teacher and he went through every birth control and every, like, I don't know that everybody gets as good a sex education as I got, but I know that somehow between my parents, there was no like birds and bees conversation, but between my parents and my school, I think I knew what one should really know before one heads out into the world. So, Do you remember? Okay, wait. So you were 12, 13-ish if you were in Mm -hmm. seventh grade. Do you remember how learning about that stuff kind of made you feel as this almost, you know, beginning to be adult person? I think it was an intellectual exercise for me. I think I just thought about the birth control, internalized a lot of the like procedures. And I was the sexual procedures. <laughs> yes. And the <laughs> use of birth control procedures. Yeah. yeah. I do know that from very early, I was what I would call boy crazy. I was very already interested in boys and, and very focused on one particular boy all through my elementary school years. And I guess I had a crush from like second grade through sixth grade on this boy and uh, never materialized into anything. I had one of those too. Did you? Unrequited? Yeah, those exact same years too. Yeah. Well, and then when everybody was going with each other in sixth grade, which is how it happened in my school, nobody was going with me because I was a, you know, a kind of a geek, an unappreciated sort of bottom of the totem pole. But anyway, so then I came to the weird high school I went to, which was actually junior and high all mixed together. Oh my God. And I developed a crush on a new guy that I carried on the rest of those years. So (laughs) that's, I tend to sort of be, I tended to be less in the actual performance of any dating till my senior year in high school um, and more in the obsession about one particular person for the Mm -hmm. whole time. And did you have any physical manifestations of your own on sexual explorations or what, what was that sort of like for you? Well, I thought about that. My fantasy life as a kid did involve always being rescued and saved by some guy. 
and it ended in kissing and fondling, but never really got beyond the kissing because I didn't really, I never really was very exploratory. And in fact, when I was thinking about what I like to say about myself, that I'm uptight last night, I realized I'm not actually uptight. I'm just not terribly adventurous. And I never, I didn't stop myself. It was never against the rules or a bad thing to touch yourself. Just didn't really, really? find it necessary. Yeah, I just didn't. I mean, I will say I also was, I'm not a very, I don't like human bodies that much. Oh. So, um, Wait, my, can you talk more about that? <laughs> yeah, this is something I've always wondered why I was like this. But I feel like I notice everything about people when I am there in front of them. So hair, acne, you know, any sort of. Uh, unusual patterns, whatever, I notice every little bit and have to actively ignore them mm. if I'm trying to not be distracted by it. So for me, <clears throat> when I, I remember as a young teenager having to not or to try to not be grossed out by hairy legs on boys. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it gagged me like, it sounds like a huge amount of energy, too. Like, if you have to kind of get past <laughs> I that. Do. I do. Especially, like, imagine when you wake up next to somebody in the morning and they got boogies in their eyes. Yeah. And, you know, it, it I have a really... on their face. Right? I have to really focus on not seeing that stuff. It's very <sighs> huge to me, like, yeah. glaring. And I, you know, which is why it's hard for me not to think I have to be perfect looking all the time because... So when my body, you know, got changed by birthing and children and everything, it's very hard for me to think other people don't see that stuff because I feel like I see every single detail. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so early on, um, I was never the girl who braided other girls' hair and I did not like armpit hair when you snuggle up to a dude under his arm and like, I have to constantly, uh, not think about bodies when I am trying to be attracted to bodies. So I think that the same thing sort of is holds true for me. Like even my own hair in the sink is just disgusting to me. So not that anybody loves that, but you know, it's sort of gag worthy. So I think that's another reason I didn't explore the nether regions because it is kind of juicy and hairy yeah. and it's not really appealing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a weird thing and I kind of wish I could turn it off and, I don't have anything like against it and I have since then, but it was never an early thing. It was in fact all through like my twenties, I ran into people who were trying to tell me it was an aberration that I didn't masturbate. And I am one thing I'm glad of this whole like opening up of different types of sexualities and the fact that some people aren't even attracted to anybody. Like I'm like, okay, see, so I'm here on that spectrum somewhere. It yeah. just when I was a single woman, I didn't fantasize about sex. I fantasized about relationship and kissing. And I didn't miss sex or wish I could have some sex. It's That's not the primary thing for me. It's the, you know, one-on-one -on -one relationship. And that beginning, like, I get very horny at the beginning of a relationship. But when I'm not in a relationship, I'm not. Oh yeah, I'm a total horn dog at the beginning of relationships. Really? How like how so? Can you tell tell us or perhaps share some examples? 
Well, and it's it sort of happened in every relationship, but uh, I think it's the anticipation that turns me on. I was actually thinking about that last night, too. Like, if you're going to ask me my main turn on, it's anticipation. And so, obviously, at the beginning of relationship, there's all this, ooh, maybe tonight we'll, like, make it past making out. And, you know, ooh, tonight maybe. And um, even as you're going, because I was not going to be a communicative sort going, I want you to do this now and that now, I was going to lay back and have things happen on the guy's terms because that's the kind of person I am or was. But waiting to see what was going to come, that would get me all stirred up. And so also another thing that used to be true in my dating life was that I felt very sexy and powerful at the beginning of a relationship. I knew intellectually I was an attractive person. And so then when these guys would act like I was, you know, pretty hot and whatever, then I could feel sexy and then feel turned on by the fact that I had all this sort of power because guys can sometimes act like they're what out of control or whatever because you're so pretty or so sexy or you know there's boobs there yeah they can sort of act like they've lost their minds and i liked that power and then sometime during the relationship it can be pretty quick sometimes pretty slow uh, i would decide that the baggage i carried was so much work that i was lucky to have them and then the dynamic shifts mm that how lucky am I that they're willing to put up with all the crap I bring to a relationship and then the sex would start to not be good because I no longer felt powerful and sexy. I felt like a burden. Wow. Can I ask you a yeah. couple questions about some stuff that I heard yeah. you say? Yes. So when a guy is having sex with you, I heard you say mostly on his terms. What did that feel like both emotionally and physically to you? Like, did you ever drop into good physical feelings or did you ever have any additional thoughts around that? Um, I definitely had in probably later years, actual perfectly good sex, like definitely was not missing out on, I can come vaginally and I can do multiples and, you know, I'm actually pretty easy. Wow. When I'm in the, <laughs> I'm pretty easy. I can come from my boobs. I can come what? from, I once, oh yeah, I once came from a guy stroking my wrist. Like, what? if I, my brain is in action and feeling the, if I can focus 100% on the sensations, yeah. I mean, it's not like mind-blowing for my wrist and boobs, but Still. like, yeah, no, I'm pretty easy, I think. And so... It depended on every relationship, right? So the relationships where I was just having sex because I thought that's how I had to keep them, that was not good sex. And mm. and I, while I don't regret having sex with anybody, there's definitely ones I wish I hadn't wasted my emotional energy on because I was literally having sex because I thought I had to to keep them and they weren't even worthy. And that's another thing. I, I would fall for anybody who would have me hmm. so I obviously didn't have even though I felt that power and the sexiness like initially I had zero I don't know I, I go back and forth between zero self-esteem and like realizing I have a lot to offer yeah I can relate it's to because that. that yeah right because on the outside I know I'm pretty and I know I'm smart and I know I'm funny but I know what they're going to run into once they get past that and I'm so 
uh, not anymore. I've worked through a lot of it, but I was so certain that I was a huge burden that, yeah. So like, if it will make you stay with me, despite all my crazy, supposedly, then I will have sex with you. So if a relationship, you know, if I got one of those rare good guys who wouldn't just take whatever I would give them, which is everything, those were going to be more fulfilling. And yeah, you know, that's a funny story. I even told you this weekend was after the first time I had sex, my mom was like, you'll make sure you'll have orgasms. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I do. (laughs) I did realize I had a right to ask or to expect orgasms. And I would make some like, I made noises or, ooh, I like that's or whatever. And I did try to steer them as much as I could. Mm-hmm. But it was never going to be a, hey, so when you do this, I need you to do that. And and even in my long-term relationships, it was very hard to come to that point. So The communication point? Yeah. yeah. To where, because for me, the fear is always in their ego. Like, I yeah. feel like male egos around sex are really fragile. That's my the way I've been taught and the way it really seemed to be. I have experienced that as well. Finding <sighs> right? the difficulty around, yeah. I mean, I, I personally haven't encountered that with a woman yet. Every time I've needed to talk <laughs> something out with a chick, it's been, or a right. non-binary or trans person, it's been pretty straightforward. Right. But I, I'm also a very direct person. So yes. that probably doesn't help when I'm like, <laughs> hi, this didn't work for me. Or like, could you just do yeah. that? You know, and I also have that. Yeah. So can you tell me, were there moments that were like great for you or like very exciting sexually? Can you tell us a little bit about that? You know, I think it was always at the very beginning, the first time, except for the very first, first time, which was no good at all. But can you tell us why? Well, I, so I planned it all out. I was in my freshman year of college and Again, I was so well-educated about what you needed to do in order to be safe. So, like, I went home for spring break, and I had told my boyfriend at the time, who was really my first boyfriend ever in the whole, well, probably my second one, actually. But uh, I told him, we're going to have sex when I get back. And, uh, you know, I went home, and what I got did he on the say? pill. Oh, he was just happy. I mean, what else? I don't think I told him in person. Okay. I told him via email or okay. mail mail at the time because, no, I couldn't have said that in person. Good God. Um, and Not this, yet. Was this, was this before or after your mom was like, make sure you have orgasm? It was before. That okay. was after she knew I was having sex. Okay. Okay. I let her know so I could get the pill. And then, and I went to the, before I left town, actually, I went to the local clinic and got myself all checked out. Like, I'm very intellectual, but very yeah. rigorous very rigorous about the whole thing. And so I, yeah, I got on the pill and then I sort of let him know it was going to happen when I got back. And I got back, I think the first possible night you could get back from spring break and my roommate wasn't back yet. So we went to my room and I, oh, I wore um, fishnets and a short skirt for him to pick me up at the airport and like sexy underwear. I believe it might've even had, uh, you know, the opening like crotchless underwear away. Oh, I really fucking played it up. In any case, um, right? But see how much I thought I had to do just to, like, why did I not just go, okay, this is my first time. We should be, it should be about me. But was it fun for you? Like, was it part of it or were you like doing it for him? Um, I think I was trying to feel sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I, I mean, it wasn't unenjoyable, but I did have to 
go to the, my parents happened to live in DC at the time. So I had to go to the sex store in DC and get those fishnets and the underwear. <laughs> that was, you know, it was a new experience and, and good for me, but not entirely comfortable. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, you know, I thought, I don't know. I thought that that's, it was just the way I do things. Like it's, yeah. I have too much time to think about it. It's not going to be a spontaneous thing. So I, I also go into overkill <laughs> mode. I mean, I I remember there was a boy when I was 16 that I was planning on hooking up with. And to me, that just meant making out because I actually didn't know what hooking Ooh. up really was. <laughs> but I went to Victoria's Secret with these two girls right. who were both really cool. And they, you know, <laughs> and they were picking out crotchless panties for me. And I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, and so it was one of those things right. where I'm like, oh, I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what, right. I don't know what I want. I don't know what this means. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I just did it cause I thought it was what I should do or exactly. what I was. Exactly. Yeah. The, part the of way I was it supposed out. to be sexy. Plus I knew I wasn't his first. Mm. Oh, how does that make you feel? I think I felt like I had to be better than the other one or I don't know if he had one or two before me because we were both freshmen in college. So yeah. who knows when he started, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I did feel a certain amount of like competitiveness because in a way he left her for me mm. and not in a way, really, he did leave her for me. Not yeah. that I engineered that in any way, but he decided he got attracted to me and I waited until he made a decision and he chose me. Right. So then I had to be worth it. So well, no, big, you know. no big deal. <laughs> not that I already struggled with feeling that in the first place. Totally. So. Yeah, so then we retreated to this, you know, empty dorm room of mine, and he got busy, and it was painful and dry, mm. and I literally remember thinking, how do people do this for 50 years? Yeah, oh. I literally was like, oh my God, how do people, how? I had a little, and I cried afterwards, not that he noticed, but yeah. oh. I made it pretty careful that he didn't notice right, and it did get better, I will say that he and I had, you know, acceptable sex, I wouldn't say they were pretty minor orgasms if I had them because he was not very much the most conscientious partner. But yeah, it was, it was kind of brutal introduction. Actually, my first kiss was also brutal with another guy back oh. in my senior year of high school. So where I met a guy at the grocery store, he was a bagger and uh, he gave me his number and eventually I called him and then I picked him up from work one night. And by the time I parked in the garage, in his gar I'm sorry, his driveway, he was out of his chair and suctioned onto my face so fast. <laughs> I no defense. And so I left as fast as I could and cried from that too. That like, was your first not, kiss? That was my first kiss, man. Oh, and man. I am a firm, you know, prince and princess, you know, music swelling kiss yeah. kind of believing person. So I've had much better kisses since then, but it, yeah, that was brutal. And the first sex was brutal. And, but then, yeah, I think it got steadily better after that because I did start making sure I was ready. I don't know that I said no very many times if I wasn't ready, but I certainly pushed them off a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then I started having a lot of short-term relationships with sex in them. So it wasn't long before I'd had quite a few different kinds of partners and sort of learned with each one. That's why I don't regret it. I learned sort of with each one, something more I could ask for or expect in a way. So do you remember what any of those things you learned are, or can you just kind of give us a rundown of your short-term lovers? Well, the second one, second guy I dated was the summer after that. 
So between my freshman and sophomore college years, and I was still 17, mind you, too. I went to college oh, early. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I dated a guy who was in his 20s. And I believe he's the one who kind of taught me that I had a right to have an orgasm before the sex even started. Now, I didn't insist on that, but it was sort of like, oh, right. Like, I don't have to um, necessarily, you know, do go straight to sex with any guy that there can be messing around. So he was a little bit more patient. Would he like, does that mean he would go down on you ahead of time or finger you? Do you even like people to go down on you? Based I on? used to, yeah. You used to, okay. Well, before I had babies and it all got messed up down there. <laughs> That's a comment that That's could scare story. some of our listeners. Will you explain what you mean? <laughs> you know, it's it's it looks different, and it's mm-hmm. and of course I've got I'm almost probably in menopause. You're not allowed to say it till you don't have a period for a year, but. Okay. The chemistry has changed. It smells different down there. And then I had some pretty big pregnancies. Um, so the labia actually on one side got big and stayed longer than the one on the other side. And so like I've even thought about getting it reconstructed, like mm-hmm. that would maybe make me more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't like that it doesn't look symmetrical anymore. And again, and oh, and I have hemorrhoids from babies. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff going down there. I don't know if that will gross my partner out. I don't want to find out. I don't want to think he's doing it and likes gagging his, you know, swallowing his gag reflex because he doesn't like what he sees. I don't even give them a chance. So it's a lot of baby destruction. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, I certainly did it. It's harder for me because. I'm less secure about that area than I am like about my breasts being attractive. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have to think very hard about what, not about what they're seeing and smelling and tasting and think very much about the sensations in order to let go and, and enjoy it. Yeah. So it's a little harder for me to enjoy that. I'd rather fingering cause then your eyes are on me. You know, I, you're not looking at anything. You're just, whatever so i rather manual stimulation than anything else but earlier you said something to the effect of when you were talking about how you notice all these details on other people yeah and you think about them noticing them on you yeah it's really hard not to believe if they did if Mm -hmm. a person noticed everything on you in the exact same detail that you notice it on other people what would that mean for you or do to you or like how would that hit you Well, I mean, I think it looks bad, so I don't want confirmation, so. And then logically, I also know bodies are asymmetrical and that, you know, my partner actually probably would love it no matter what. And again, I don't think everybody has the same sort of gag reflex that I do. I'll tell you, most people don't. Most people are like, is it (laughs) sex related? I'll be gross. You know, I mean, there are just just anecdotally in my talking to people. There's a lot of people I've met who really like, really like the messy and the smelly and the everything. (laughs) Well, you know, and, and, and he says so too. So the problem really is getting out of my own head. I mean, the same with when the grocery list pops up in my brain, it's, It's a for me. I have to be intensely focused. I think that's pretty true for a lot of women. Yeah. It's hard to be distracted by what you're thinking about, worrying about, planning. Yeah, and it just adds to the list of things I have to fight against when I'm 
trying to relax into it. So yeah. I would just rather at this point, I'd rather just stick to sex and find ways to enjoy that and not have to worry about the parts of me that I think, because, you know, I obviously with men, I also like try to please them in the ways that other people do. And so that whole process where you're like kissing your way down the body is an exercise in trying not to pay attention to what I'm kissing. Cause mm. I don't, I don't care if you're, nice hard-bodied muscular tan perfect hairless beast of a man you know jason momoa or something but i would still probably notice yeah i mean you know maybe yeah you'd have to be insanely scrubbed for me to be yeah. in sort of trouble so yeah i i think that yeah there's some sort of thing i have at the beginning of relationships where i don't have preconceived notions of what they should find when I get naked, but also when you're young and 20 something. Totally. totally. So lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you were listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out bluechew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like boner softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say... The night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. So back to the going down on you in this early relationship where he was like, you should come first. Yeah. Um, can you tell us specifically like what you enjoyed most? Like, do you remember physical feelings or things that you like or scenarios that were stand out to you? It's it was all if if they were good at that anticipation game where they like almost touch it don't touch it almost touch it don't touch it that is the winner every time and how yeah. often did you get dudes who would actually be able to do that <laughs> again at the beginning of a relationship they'd be much better yeah because they yeah. were sort of trying to go slow and not rush it and most of them you know there's plenty of jerks mixed in there that were just in for a one night stand and those were generally really unsatisfying they just get so boring well, and I would be hot and heavy 
until we got to where we were, you know, going to actually have sex. And then it would be bad from there on out. But like, cause I feel insane chemistry sometimes mm-hmm. like with these guys, I wouldn't have one night stand with someone. I didn't just feel overpowering. Like, yeah. God, I'm wet. Just looking at you like oh. that. You feel yeah. that you have oh, felt that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. How there's this it, one guy it? in college yeah. where I, it happened like three times during our college career, we would be, you know, in a bar or a party near each other. And I don't know, the timing was just right because we would start standing near each other and then like start touching, you know, holding hands or touching each other's backs or whatever. And then just, Oh my God, the overwhelming heat. Oh, and in high school when we would slow dance together, yeah. if it was the right guy, Oh my God, I would just, I would be having a sexual experience just dancing with a dude, like yeah. inside my head, going, God, this feels so good. So, like, I, yeah, I'm pretty reactive. Like, everything's pretty sensory. And, and so, yeah, with that guy, like, it was just overwhelmingly like, oh, God, I like, run, just go paw your clothes off and whatever. Um, but if it really got down to the sex itself, I don't think that was the best. But, um, but the rest of it, the lead up, I mean, that's, Again, most of my fantasy is sort of the lead up, like yeah. <sighs> um, that. That's why the beginning works best because they do the anticipation thing to it. Yeah. It's either takes a while to actually get to the bedroom, or you have a date and another date, and then you know things sort of move according to the rules of how things are supposed to move. At some point, I remember in my twenties, I made a rule not to let a guy in my house until the third date because oh. as soon as you let him in your house, you generally end up having sex. So, I was trying to protect myself from having too much bad sex, basically by trying to draw it out a little longer. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely, you know, learned a few things about not. I just know that I wasn't able to say no very often. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it was, I think there was a lot of good moments. And again, you know, some of those orgasms from like my breasts or, you know, whatever were better than the sex itself. And I think that's common for women too. But I also have had the G-spot orgasms and the, you know, I'm pretty easy. Well, it sounds like (laughs) orgasms aren't what drives your desire for sex at all. If I'm understanding you. No, and, and yeah, no, um, no, I don't think it did. I don't think I ever have a drive for sex per se. It's well, it's rare. I think that I get so, if I get so turned on, I do start, you know, going, get it in me. I want it in me now. So it does come to a certain point where you're just so horny. You want even recently. Oh no. No. <laughs> no. Okay. 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 I probably would if I let it even, I don't let, uh, unfortunately anything happen right now. I have no okay. desire, no energy, so it doesn't even get started now, but, okay. and again, you know, long-term relationships, you kind of forget that slow, like, I just, I don't have time. So let's just do a quickie and get it over with. And that I can make sure I do make sure I get some enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm but it's not like an amazing experience. So mm-hmm. do you have any fantasy of it being different? Only for the other person. Mm-hmm. I don't. And that's the thing I thought about too last night. Um, when I was thinking about this conversation, even in my prime, right. When I was dating as a single woman in my twenties and thirties in between, I didn't fantasize about a sexual relationship. So I 
think that I might just have a pretty low sex drive. Like, I think that it doesn't drive me in any way. It's the connection, the relationships. And so I could be, you know, basically I'm roommates right now with my partner, which, and the only problem is I feel bad for them. Have you, are you familiar with the book Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski? I believe that you have told me about it. Highly recommend, probably. Okay, so (laughs) I'm just going to give you an overview of the little thing I'm thinking about for explanation. So she, in this book, has a model of the idea that every woman has sexual breaks. I think it's every person. There's a sexual accelerator and sexual breaks. And we all are like at different levels of arousal based on how active or how sensitive our accelerator or our breaks are. So like I'm a person with a really strong accelerator, like I get turned on pretty easily and my breaks are like moderate to low. Like if I'm really stressed, everything shuts down. Or What I'm wondering about as I hear you talk is the fact that you have experienced intense arousal I wonder if your brakes are just like glued to the floor. Yeah, it's pretty big lead. Yeah. 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 They are for now. And, you know, in in the, I've been in therapy for about 150 years. So in therapy. (laughs) You look great for your age. Thanks. it, it has been explored that there was actually some stuff with my mom where she didn't respect my physical boundaries that. Um, that is, is an interesting trigger I have left over sometimes um, because at first, you know, my partner would be be sort of playful and my physical boundaries were very uptight. Like I don't want to be touched in a sexual zone unless we're actually trying to get to sex. So there's no okay. tickling or whatever. So yeah, my mom was just, it was an obliviousness. It was not a sexual abuse kind of situation, but there was a, and there was no, I was not allowed to tell my mother that something was off limits or that she couldn't do something because that was stuff, which plays into why I feel very hard pressed to tell a partner not to do something and not to. So at one point I realized I was kind of like a feral cat. I need a really slow, like, I need you to ignore me so that I can come to you. And that's very hard in a relationship, right? Because they want you, they want you, they want you. Well, and also men, in my experience, broad generalization, tend to be incredibly yeah. impatient, especially when it comes to sex. Yes, they can. And, you know, and and that's one of the fantastic things that I'm trying to remember um, that my therapist said about a million times to me is, I mean, they chose me as a partner for a reason. Yeah. They bring something to the game. So it's not just that I don't want sex and they do. Yeah. Yes. It, they chose a person who had a pretty low sex drive, even yep. though I feel like I bait and switched them a little bit. But I believe a lot in choosing your partners to deal with your own issues, right? So oh, yeah. I try to believe that it's not all my fault that I'm not having sex right now. But I also know it's okay that I don't feel like it oh, I just definitely bad okay. for partner, right yeah. but yes I I kind of would like to be no I don't know <laughs> I, it's so messed up right now I don't really know if I would like to have a sex drive I because I so want it just to please my partner mm. I want it so yeah. but like last night just because we were talking about this I had an invitation to uh, masturbate my body was ready and I did so I don't have any problem it comes up now and then yeah do you masturbate? Is your partner around? Do they no. know about it? They know 
all secret because then I think he'd want to participate. Okay, so where are you when you're secret masturbating? In my bed. It's at night usually. Okay. I either I either wake up from a dream already pretty darn stimulated. You do? Oh my god, yeah. And then I finish it off. You have sexy sex dreams and then you bring them into real real awake life? Uh, sorry, I'm too excited to talk words. <laughs> you did, that's yes. amazing. Wait. Yeah. You literally have dreams that turn you on enough to want. I wake up and then I can. Yes, I'm already practically there. Yeah. Wow. I have to do very little. And I I just I literally have to do some Kegels and some a little bit of even just pressure. And I'm done. That's amazing. And my husband is in the other room. But anyway, um, no, I try to keep it secret because then I feel like I have to. Yeah. I can't explain why I don't want to have sex, but I'm OK doing this by myself. Does he share his masturbation practices with you or do you both kind of like keep it? Um, I think he would be uncomfortable with that. Pretty private person. Yeah, I think he's got it, the, got in it. the shower when I'm not around. Got it. Got it. Yeah. In fact, I know he does it in the shower. But because <laughs> I know where the KY is. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a. It is a fantastic thing. I will wake up just from it. I mean, it's insane. And then my poor cats, I'm like trying to navigate around my cats while I'm doing this too. And it's like, would you just get out of my way? Sometimes um, mine will it's, just it's sit on the bed and. <laughs> oh my gosh. And just watch. They do. They do. They're like, whatevs. I'm, I'm like, sleeping. Move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like rising but around in my bed. <laughs> sometimes my cat does stare at me and it weirds me out enough that I have to move him before. Because he'll like. Yeah. And even. Yeah. And my friend who was staying with me for a few days told me that I was asleep and my cat was just like staring at me while I was sleeping. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, there's something weird there. <laughs> a little creepy, but yeah, I had a friend who couldn't have sex with her boyfriend with her dog watching. And I'm like, well, I mean. Huh. I guess it's weird, but like I've always some... had cats jumping in the middle of sex. Yeah, like, I'm like, in... yeah, I'm not that bothered by animals. Although I guess a couple that I had a threesome with, the dog kept jumping up in the bed with us. And like afterwards, great for cuddling. During, I'm sort of like, ah, I don't want to squish your dog. Like it was a small dog. So I was like, okay. Yeah, um, interrupting. It doesn't help with the trying to not be distracted. Yeah. Me, oh, otherwise. yeah. Yeah. When have you felt the least distracted? Has there been a time in your sexual explorations or experiences where you were not conscious of the body stuff? Right at the beginning of relationship. Right beginning. Beginning. Okay. Same thing. Because I felt, I mean, I was coming off the high of a guy who adored me in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that's when they look at you, like the sun rises and sets in your eyes, right? That's, when I feel the most sort of powerful and sexy and attractive and everything that I'm saying is funny and they laugh at my jokes it and they just literally keep... been so long since I've felt that feeling. Holy yes. fuck. Yeah. And with long-term relationships, it tends to sort of drift away, even though those are the things that you love about the person you don't stare with adoration as often. Yeah. Cause you're so. used to it. It's regular. Um, yeah. Although the one thing that's nice about, even with the long term, like watching your partner parent children can bring that feeling about again. Watching your partner have a huge career success can also, so. Yeah. Have you ever played with any toys? Like I heard fishnets, I heard sex shop. So were there explorations there? I have, um, 
at the very basic in college, somebody brought those, you know, body markers once I did that. And then what do you, wait, I don't know what body markers are. Oh, where you, they're like crayons you can draw on someone's body with. What? What? How do you not know about this? I don't things? know because I have weird, because I grew up on a farm and I have really weird holes <laughs> in my pop culture now, like really weird ones. Oh, that's yeah. So you brought them to, this was one of my friends with benefits times when I went in college, when I went off being uptight for Lent and was having sex with <laughs> man friends who, uh, yeah, that's literally what I decided. That was my sophomore year. I was like, I'm giving up being uptight for Lent. And, uh, I made it clear to my man friends that I was available for, you know, hookups without any, How? um, How consequences. How did you make it clear? You just told them or you wrote notes? I told them I was giving up being uptight for Lent. I told everybody who would listen, Amazing. I was being, and that, you know, I don't remember exactly how I made it clear, but sex without consequences or strings basically yeah. was available. And I actually feel insanely lucky because only about three guys took me up on it and I didn't catch any diseases or whatever. I was still on the pill the whole time, but yeah. I sure as heck did not insist on condoms. Oh so I know, well, you know, those uh, that would have been too much to yeah. ask. Yeah. But uh, one guy brought these body, I think they're body markers or body crayons, but it's basically, you know, some sort of, and it's, they're edible too, I think. So you can lick them off after you draw them on. Cool. So he drew stuff all over my body. And I think that had I been actually turned on by that particular guy, it might've been very effective, but I was not. Yeah. I mean, he was a good guy. He tried. And of course, Cool Whip and chocolate sauce and stuff like that. But, and I've done vibrators. You know, little uh, clitoris stimulators, whatever, in the hope that it would get me started and then I could want to have sex later. But I have not, trying to remember, I'm almost 100% sure I've never done like a dildo or anything, but I have done just pretty much vibrators and, and food products. <laughs> Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health, but if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. 
Based on what you've told us so far, I imagine that you're not particularly into anal sex. But no, I'm not very adventurous. Have you ever tried anything in the realm? I've, I've had someone use their finger on it while they were also messing in my vagina. Uh, so it doesn't bother me. I had to sort of unthink about it. And yeah. I understood that it felt good to be sort of tickling it. But yeah. it had never made it. Fun. And I don't, again, I don't have. I'm very like cool with all of these things intellectually. Like I don't think anybody's sort of a weirdo or a pervert or whatever, whatever their kinks are. Yeah. I've never been judgy. I just am not a very adventurous person. No, mm. I will read women's erotica and stuff, but like, what kind of erotica do you like? Where do you read it? Where do you find it? Do you have any recommendations? No. <laughs> I haven't it's read been a while. Unfortunately, okay. no, I just, again, at a sex store, like I am comfortable going in them and mm. looking around and, and, I'm also okay with watching porn. I have watched porn. I, you know, have to make, I bought a boy back when it was VHS. I bought some funny porn that was about this purple dress. And every woman who wore this purple dress was like basically fucked by whoever came by next. And it was like, Oh, that's All right. fun. I like that premise. <laughs> it kind of was like, so she got it in the, like she found it in a store and had sex in the, in the trying on room. And then she loaned it to a friend who had sex with like the guy delivering something to her door. And then I forgot how it was kind of the traveling pants of purple dresses. Yes. So. Um, <laughs> what if the so sister I, of I like... the traveling pants was inspired by that? Like what if that was <laughs> <laughs> my childhood as a new spin? That would be funny. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I like obviously very non-violent porn, but, and I am one of the guilty few who liked Fifty Shades of Grey. What did you like about it? I mean, the, the, the book's better than the movies. Okay. I the haven't description read the book. The I only saw the movie. The movie squeaked me out because it felt I like know. It's she was bad... consensual. Right. It's a bad, I know. Until I've also heard that after I read the whole series, I, re yeah. I found out that it is, a very bad representation of the way uh, that dominance and submissives should be, and I totally recognize all the flaws. Yeah, in but the tell us what you like. So now that we have our disclaimer, right? <laughs> Even though I know it's bad, just the descriptions of it—I mm. mean, it totally turned me on. Reading—I mean, I was reading romance novels when I'm in my teens and getting turned on by the heaving bosoms and the wands, the magic man wands, and whatever those silly words they use. Yeah, I can get pretty turned on reading about sex and very descriptive. I mean, she didn't need to be being abused for me to be turned on by the sex scenes, but mm -hmm. it didn't hurt either. Mm -hmm. Except for I wasn't really keen on the some of the spanking, but it's like the description of how, oh my gosh, I actually bought, it was just last year, I bought this huge like compendium of, uh, I read books on my iTunes thing, uh -huh. you know, whatever book rather than paper books and i came across it had been advertised several times this horrible like anthology of like 500 pornographic short stories basically but they were like they were uh -oh. aliens no but they were really it still fucking turned me on like they were aliens she was kidnapped by aliens and wait they were have i told you my earliest fantasies, like as a child, before I had a concept of what no. sex was, were alien related. Oh, were they? Oh, yeah. Well, then these books might be for you. <laughs> because somehow these aliens always have an appendage that fits nicely into a vagina. So it's remarkable. Or they can morph into a man looking thing, and it's a perfect man looking thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was funny. So, like, I read it as 
you know, it's amusing, but also a little, I don't really want to call it a guilty pleasure because I don't feel guilty at all. Like, again, intellectually, I'm cool with anything that floats anybody's boat. I'm not terribly adventurous in real life. And I'm just too tired, apparently, to have a sex drive right now. But Uh, yeah, um, that makes perfect sense. Had a guy asked me to have anal sex with him, I can guarantee you I probably would have found a courage to do it. Yeah. But nobody ever did. So, you know, that that kind of thing, I don't because I'm so easy to turn on. Why do I need to, like, go off to weird? Sorry, I shouldn't say weird to other modalities when it works just fine when a guy is making love to my boobs. Like, so I think that I just have never needed to add to the list of ways to turn me on because I was pretty easy. And I think I probably would be if I could in a way, get out of my way and not have the issues I have with my own body. So, Do you feel like stepping into the realm of fantasy around that? What do you mean? Like in a world where... <laughs> in a world. In a world where... where... people are locked in their houses, yes. <laughs> um, say, for example, you... I don't know. Okay, maybe this isn't even fruitful. I don't know if it's useful to be like, if I didn't have the body stuff, yeah. if, if I if if I weren't hung up on yeah. thinking about how someone else is yeah. looking at me. And I can relate to that in certain, yeah. for me specifically, I have yeah. it with back knee. When I have oh, back yeah. knee, yeah. Uh, and I get it yeah. occasionally. So it's like that. And I just feel gross. So if you didn't have that as an element, can we construct like a delicious fantasy like, mm. is there, or can I just ask you some things and you tell me how they might yes. make you feel? Sure. Okay. I'm imagining a time and space where you have like a whole day. You don't have anywhere to be. Right. All the things are done. All the tasks yeah. are done. <laughs> all the kids are taken care of. All of right. that is not a worry. And I'm imagining like a luxurious hotel suite or bedroom somewhere out of your regular realm so you're not reminded of daily stuff and i'm imagining your partner coming in and just i don't know maybe sitting next to you for a while like maybe sharing a breakfast maybe like and and you know you're set up to know that possibly Mm -hmm. eventually if you feel like it it could go towards sex would that make you feel um like a green light to non-sexual touching in sexual places uh i don't think it ever would be able to think of touching in sexual places as, as a non-sexual okay touch. so like light light then like early foreplay so like maybe yeah. with the breakfast there's like yeah. a stroke around the yeah. side of your breast but not touching yeah. the nipple yet and like you know or even just touch on other parts of your bodies like for me i want it to start not on my boobs not on my vag not on my ass not even on my lips or neck i mean i do i want all of that but i my favorite thing in the world is having someone so patiently just like touch me but is that touch even like is that arousing to you in this sort of way if there's a bunch of patience and slowness if i could turn off the fact that sex is likely to be the end result for me that's a problem what if sex wasn't the end result right if i like and there would have to be a hefty dose of the gazing at me like i hang the moon kind of thing that's that's where it has to start i have to be looked at like i'm the sexiest thing in the world and then 
you know, yeah, sat next to, held hands slowly, even, you know, the, the thigh under the table, you know, yes, I totally think it could happen if there didn't feel like this, I have to perform to make sure that they feel like they did a good job. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, faking mm -hmm. orgasms is a, you know, very, <sighs> I mean, a lot of that. Yeah. Especially with all those relationships where it started out good and then it would get kind of, you know, they'd stop taking the time yeah. in a lot of ways and I'd get inside my head, but yeah. that whole not wanting to hurt their egos, because certainly when you're dating 20 year old guys, you're also going to have more of that sort of, Oh my God, my <laughs> ego depends on my ability to give you an orgasm. <laughs> thing. Or like just to think about it, just to think they did. Right. And it sucks <laughs> because then how are you going to say, well, that didn't really work for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Um, what about verbal confirmation? Like if someone's like telling you you're beautiful or telling you specific things they like about your body, does that work for you or is it? Does it, it might. Make, yeah. I don't have, I haven't had that kind of partner really. Okay. Okay. Um, it might because then I could know they're looking at that and not at the parts I don't think look good. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, that's not something I've actually had anybody uh, be really good at is sort of saying what they love about me, what they like about me, what turns them on about me. Wow. So I'm a person that if I ask, this is one of my own things that I don't know how to fix, but it feels like perhaps not correct or whatever. But um, <laughs> I'm a person who, if I have to ask for it, I don't like it or want it as much even though i really really understand like yeah. that communication is key but it's sort of like i have the same thing with you and that's why having my former master was so world changing because it's the only time i've been with a dude where i was like oh my god you really like this like you really want to be touched you're doing this for you not just for yeah. me right does that change it for you if you were to articulate it and ask for something uh, no, I have gotten past that because that's sort of one of my favorite Dr. Phil sayings is you can be right or you can be happy. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, it'd be nice if they could anticipate everything I wanted. And if he paid attention to the noises I make at certain times and the, I give pretty good signs as I'm liking something or not. Right. Yeah. I think I'm pretty clear, but they're having a good time, too. So their ability to pay attention is not always the best. And so I don't mind having to ask for things. But at the same token, when they claim to really like it, it doesn't change how I feel about how comfortable I am with them doing it. Got it. No. So, like, my partner would love to go down on me. It has been made clear. Mm -hmm. Enjoys doing it to me. Mm -hmm. And I am like, yeah, I'm not until I can, like, like, I would have to do a whole sanitary thing going on down there. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how bad it is. Like, I have to look with a mirror and make sure everything looks good. Yeah. I can't get out of my head that the trauma of childbirth has just disrupted the whole thing down there oh that sounds hard yeah i mean and it's it, intellectually i know it's not he this is a person who doesn't care i yeah. mean i actually have a funny story i wanted to say because there were, there was one guy i dated who was he was a 32 year old virgin and so i was you know aware of the fact that there were some things we were working through and he went down on me for the first time he'd ever gone down on any woman ever. And he literally said when he was done, 
no, it didn't taste as bad as I thought it would, given what everybody told me it was going to taste like. I was like, what? Like, what do you really think it's okay fuck? to say it didn't taste as bad as you thought it would? But anyway, that's my funny going down story. That's insane. <laughs> but back then, I was like, the problem is you, dude. Yeah, good for you. Right. But now, because it's not the same, my discharge or whatever is not the same smell it's been for the 30 years before I had children or even after really until this, all this chemistry has changed. I don't know if that is an okay smell for a guy. And I don't, I figure he'd lied to me if he didn't like the smell and he would figure it out himself. But I don't know that I believe him. That's so hard because also what if he legitimately didn't like it? How would you navigate that? Like, how would you navigate that? Right, because yeah. there isn't anything I can do about it. Right. I mean, I would have to, like, I don't know, not that I'm ever going to douche in my life, but, like, what do you do if your chemistry has become suddenly unpleasant to somebody else? And it really has changed the smell. Like, I could tell you, I, it has changed, and I assume it's a hormonal thing. Yeah. But it is not the me I know he liked the taste of before. Which is not to say, which again, I just want to point out for anyone listening that it is in our heads or it's just a possible fantasy that maybe it's right. bad, quote unquote, it's, bad. It's, not, it's totally not fair. I don't even give him a chance to like it or not like it because I'm so afraid that it's bad. I hear that. Yeah. I mean, you know, self-sabotage, right? We get in our own way so much. Almost all of my issues about having sex these days is in my head and certainly there's a huge component of just being a tired mom but totally i don't even you know the guys that i used to look at while i was walking down the street and think hmm that'd be nice like that doesn't even really happen so oh no i just i am not currently a sexual being (laughs) except for last night yeah which was you know perfectly fine and that was not based on a fantasy again i just I could, t- I, I don't even remember if I was waking up from a dream or whatever, but I was like, oh, I was thinking about talking to you and mm-hmm. things were getting heated down there. And I did a couple of kegels and I was like, oh yeah, we're good to go. And I was wow. like, all right, why not? Let's do it. And um, honestly, right now that's better than any sex that I would be able to focus on. Yeah. Because it's completely without expectations and completely without someone else's ego obviously yeah and being that i am very experienced sexually in terms of how many partners i've had and my partner is very inexperienced there's i feel like there's a lot more fragile of an ego situation going on too can you explain how that kind of may express itself or or what the fear around it is i mean i think that also knowing what I know about sort of the confidence level they come from in the first place. I just, my natural urge to not make demands and, and say how things are working or not working is, is uh, increased by the fact that I know that it's pretty sensitive. Mm. So, you know, we got stuff to work through and uh, you know, the good news is that there's some deep commitment and whatever, but yeah, and whatever. Uh, yeah. No and whatever. Deep commitment. I mean that and that's one thing that's different in this relationship than has ever been in any before is that a deep knowing that 
this is the long haul. This mm-hmm. is not. And it's one of those things I wish I could share with all those women who are bending over backwards or people to try to make this relationship the one. Yes, you work hard at relationships, but if you have to work that hard to make them the one to keep them around, yeah. I mean, if you are a monogamous person yeah. or if you're, I don't know, however it works when you're poly, even with a primary, it's different for knowing <laughs> there's just a knowing though, when it is, that sort of forever bond it's just a knowing and i wish that's the only thing i wish i could tell young me is you don't have to twist yourself into a pretzel to keep the guy nothing that i threw at this guy made him want to run away wow right so even all my thinking and i had to struggle through again thinking i was the bigger burden and i still even have moments when i'm like i brought more baggage to this relationship they picked me for a reason too so sort of you know both of our journey and therefore feeling like i bring all the badness is not obviously fair to anybody because everybody brings their stuff yeah and like baggage is not a specifically real thing and we can say more or less but even people like myself that have had pretty charmed upbringings like it's there when you get over 25 like you're gonna have some you're gonna have a suitcase or two (laughs) yeah right right and sex is such a intimate or non-intimate thing depending on how you play the game i mean i and one of the things i figured out during that lent giving up of tight for lent thing was i feel really bad the next day when we're in the dining hall and we had sex the night before and we're back to just being, Hey, see ya. How you like, you know, Mm. no like winks or nudges or nods or secret smiles. Like, Oh God, like, like we're back to just being acquaintances or friends. I don't do well. It didn't stop me from having one night stands again in the future just because sometimes the horn dog takes over, but I really am as much as I had a lot of relationships, they were always 110% monogamous, even for just two weeks, like all in. So I wish, you know, were I to reconstruct myself, I'd like to be a little more lighthearted and able to play, have really good sex with somebody and not need it to be something deep. But that's just not the way I'm built. And and then I also sort of wish maybe I could be the person who has those only long, long-term monogamous relationships. But generally when I see those, I see a lot of struggle to get out of them when they're not working anymore. So yeah, maybe it was better to jump and jump and jump. But you know, what was really interesting is what I would do again and again is they would fall for this charismatic, intellectual, funny, sexy woman We'd get into the relationship and I'd suddenly have zero opinions, Mm. zero like securities. And so surprise, surprise, they lost interest because I was no longer that woman that I can be when it's not about keeping you, keeping you around. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, you beat me to my last question for you. So, um, you gave yourself advice already. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lighten up, chick. No. Um, but I would love to hear actually fantasies going forward for yourself. I, you know, I I do think I I do fantasize being a 
horn dog old woman like i would love to be having good sex in my 80s and you know really be finding a way obviously the older you get like right now i've even been struggling because my fantasy life like is stuck when i'm 25 looking and and i'm like no you need to you know change your fantasies to somebody who's also 48 or 50 like or maybe when you're 60 and you're starting over again, maybe whatever, if my husband passed or whatever, like what would old age dating look like? What would old age relationships look like? And I would love to fall in love again or fall, you know, back into the infatuation with my own partner. I would, I guess I would, I would like to actually be horny again. Would he ever do a thing where you're like, you go to a bar, and uh, yeah. you sit there, and he makes you wait, and then you do the stranger thing, the stranger fantasy pickup? He would do anything I asked him to do, probably, if he thought it meant sex came at the end of it. So mm. probably we should try that at some point. What if you said specifically to make it more fun for you to remove that pressure? Because I know when I start feeling pressure, it does not turn off. No. What if you were like, but no sex that night? maybe i don't know do you think he'd be able to do it uh, oh yeah i mean he would he will totally follow that's one thing reason he's a good guy and a yeah. stick around kind of person like he's gonna do whatever the rules are but uh it would be fun to i mean i think it sounds play. fun i would love totally. to hear about it if you do it if you ever did it or anything similar i am also so full of ideas but i also like don't right. need to push them at you because i'm not trying <laughs> to fix you because you're perfect just the way you are right exactly <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I definitely, I think it's going to come back. One of the things, you know, just trying to have patience that this mm -hmm. is changing into a menopausal woman is yeah. a process. And as the kids get older and my, my day-to-day -day job changes and I become more fulfilled in my own projects that don't have to do with being a mother. Yeah. I also suspect that, you know, I'll come back into my body. One of the things that happened with breastfeeding was my boobs were not my own for a while. And I don't know that I've really reclaimed them again. Yeah. Right. Like they became a thing, not a sex object. And so, and even like when you have little kids and you're not breastfeeding, they just climb it all over your body, touching everything. Yeah. And so I really had to turn off my don't be touched game. Like that was hard because that was something I had. <sighs> already I had gotten my partner to respect those boundaries and kids don't play that way. So yeah. I think that has something to do with it too, sort of reclaiming my whole body as a sexual thing that is mine and that feels good when it's, you know, handled. And yeah, you know, I mean, it, some of me thinks if I could just get enough plastic surgery, it would make me feel better, but mm. I, I don't, I think that I would still be aware of whatever flaws are left after that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those so stretch marks and weird, you know, birthing yeah. belly things, skin and whatever. Totally. So, yeah, I would like to be, I would also like to really be sexually confident. Yeah. Mm. Like I was in my 20s generally the beginning of relationships. I would love to lie there after we had sex because that's what I could lie naked at that point with a guy um, and just with the no covers on and just feel like freaking Venus right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I do wish to recapture that. Like, this is what I got. I know it looks good to you. Mm -hmm. 
So I would love to get that back for sure. I definitely struggle. I, I want to. Yeah. And then there's all these medications that come with all this stuff too. I have hormones oh, I'm yeah. taking. I have thyroid medicine and I've been on antidepressants since my early 20s, oh, which yeah. cannot kill your sex drive. Totally but not. it didn't in my 20s. So okay. I know that there's ways it must work. I don't know. Yeah, and but also your body chemistry whole, is changing. Yeah. Well, and I also read those use it or lose it things. And I'm like, like maybe no. I should just. There's that one woman who supposedly had, she made a vow. She had sex with her husband every night for a hundred nights or every day for a hundred days because, you know, like they needed a jump start or something. And I think to myself, well, that's nice. I wonder how real it is that. If you didn't really want to have sex every day for a hundred days, that it really could make things better. I don't think I could do that. Subsuming your own actual. I mean, I could do that to write an article about it, but that doesn't sound. It's it's weird. And I'm sure there was more to it. She was on Oprah or something. I watched a lot of Oprah at one point, but you know, so sometimes I think, well, maybe I just need to get out of my head and just start having sex with my husband. But, no, dude. I would. I don't I mean, either. Just, I would start having news. sex with myself first, and yeah. because it's like if that's not a regular thing, that's fun. I don't know, but we're all different people, and right. I hope you keep us posted, <laughs> or at least me. Well, I, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, I appreciate you um, wanting to chat with me. The yeah. the journey has been a strange one, from you know, pretty sexually active young person to this menopausal just not really it's just not on my mind but what i hear from you as you tell these stories is you don't to me sound hopeless no i have faith that at some point like it's gonna spike again and i'm gonna want to have sex with somebody hopefully my husband so (laughs) (laughs) yeah hopefully (laughs) right um you know but i do sort of and i cling to that Mm -hmm. faith that it is sort of a matter of time if I can stop worrying about it, pushing it, thinking about it, feeling guilty. Yeah. It's going to just be a natural ebb and flow kind of thing. Yeah. But boy, because also we messed it and we messed it up. But I mean, we were trying to get pregnant for a while, too, which also really affected the dynamic. Yeah, so, I hear that's really having hard. sex yeah. because you're needing to have sex to try to make a baby and then it doesn't work. And when I was told that my ovaries were not performing, like I was actually shutting down for business and they were not shooting out enough eggs and I might not make babies of my own eggs. I had never held a lot of stock in my ovaries being a really important part of my femininity. Mm -hmm. It took me down. Oh, wow. My woman parts were not functioning in the way that they were built, right? To make babies, those specific parts. Like it really changed. I was really surprised at how much it affected me that my ovaries shutting down for business meant what was my womanhood about? Like, obviously, I don't really think having ovaries makes me a woman, but in the moment, not being able to have babies when I wanted to made a difference in how I saw what parts of my body meant what to me. I really hadn't given my ovaries a thought before that. Yeah. So, yeah, there's been a lot of, you know, shifts and then giving birth two different ways that I had a C-section and a vaginal birth and destroyed me two different ways. And, you know, and I shouldn't say that 
so dramatically, but I like to say destroyed me, but like, you know, they do some damage on the way out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I like to, it's, it's sort of like, I need to give up the fantasy of looking like a 25 year old again and mm-hmm. find the beauty in my almost 50 year old body. And that's, what's going to do it. And that is boy hard in the world of beauty standards. Would you ever consider mm-hmm. a nude photo shoot? I would, probably. Great. Well, you know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I'm generally willing to try things. I, you know, that's I take emotional risks. I don't like jump off cliffs, but I take emotional risks pretty darn well. So, um, I would do it, and I would trust somebody like you. Yeah, and it. I don't know if it would work. It'd be worth a try. It'd be try. Yeah, worth a try. Yeah. Any final thoughts? <sighs> I want to talk to you for another hour. I know. It's so easy and, to talk um, to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you've actually sort of reminded me of some things I need to, like, it gets easy to just not think about all this stuff. It'd be good for me to get back into thinking about what I need to, to do to reclaim my feeling like a sexy hot mama because... If you want to, when you want to. (laughs) Well, I know I do with my clothes on. So I would like to reclaim at least not thinking that I'm horribly mutilated with my clothes off. I support that. (laughs) I fully support that. Yes. So that's something I've been doing anyway, just with accepting that I'm not going to, you know, become a skinny, hard-bodied person ever in my life either. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I am going to be fluffy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's all going to be part of this process is accepting the changes that happened from life and thinking that I am beautiful exactly as I am knowing, not thinking, knowing, getting to the knowing, knowing, yes. Yes. Well, that is how I experience you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this time that you've spent with us. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, letting people tell their stories because I always knew I know that I'm not the only one. You're never the only one feeling the way you're feeling. I'm not that unique. So hopefully there is somebody out there who's also struggling with some of these things. Or maybe some dudes who are going to think, Oh my God, I've never tried to tease a woman. Maybe I'll try that. Oh my God. Anticipation dudes. Anticipation. There's a song about it for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely humans. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. (laughs) I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, Apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wyo Lee, 
or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Yole.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection. 